Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Roscoe here, your co-host, joined by Rocket and Magic Mike. G'day to you, gentlemen. Uh, Mike, uh, firstly to you, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Have, um, nice and rested up now. Not nice and rested up. Uh, and Rocket Man, how are you? I'm trying to get my rhythms back. Yes, well, if you've missed the last couple of episodes, and hopefully you haven't, and thank you to all of those uh, kind listeners who did listen and leave us some nice feedback, get in touch with us, send us a message, Instagram posts, sharing stuff, really, really do appreciate any of that type of stuff because it is what helps get this podcast into the ears of many people as possible. And as Mike just reminded me before we came on air, if you do like listening to the podcast, please leave us a little review, share it, tell your friends. But those reviews and things like that, which we don't ever often ask for, they do mean the world to us because they help just keep this podcast in the ears of as many people as we can. The reason why um, the boys are saying, yep, rested, yep, recovered, all back on board, because I think we're all feeling like uh, we've just got off a 36-hour flight. We've all been sitting next to each other for, you know, 34 of those hours, and two of us kept chatting all the way. <laughs> which meant that three of us, none of us got any sleep. Um, so what I'm referring to there is, is it was obviously the Open last weekend, which we're here to talk about and digest. Uh, probably you know, one of the greatest sporting spectacles that we've seen in a while with crowds back there. It was fantastic. But uh, a group chat that runs through to, you know, 4.05 in the morning, um, you know, is, is, is sort of like, you know, being on a plane where two people were chatting and, you know, no one could get to sleep and, you know, but no one wanted to sleep, but someone always had one eye open. Um, it was awesome to be part of that. And, you know, just to see uh, you two especially, not so much me, but you two just uh, chatting away and getting very excited about the golf that was being played, and deservedly so. Uh, it was a pleasure to watch, and um, it was uh, great to be part of it. So thank you to both of you for, um, I guess, uh, you know, helping my Open be so memorable. Rocket, why was it memorable for you? What was your top line? You know, we did catch up at the cut mark, so you know, we've got two days to discuss. What was your last two-day highlights? Colin. Colin, 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 and Colin Morikawa. Simple as that. Okay. My man, Cole. My man, Cole. That's... Now, Rocket, you posted uh, you know, on Instagram there that uh, you know you it was almost like a, you bit of a chest beating, but you you know you heard it here first. When yeah. what? Tell us back back to that post. You know what was that all about? Just and I just want to sort of paint the picture of how long that you've been on the Colin Morikawa train. Um, how long that goes back? Well, that was July twenty nineteen. It was the three m in. Post 3M in Minneapolis, where Matty Wolf um, chased down Bryson, beat him by shot, and Colin finished third. And I think it was that was their fourth between the two of them. That was like their fourth pro event, third or fourth pro event. And Colin had started, I think it was like 20th in his first, and then he was like top 10, top 10, finishing second, second, and he won like a week or so later. But um, so he, he was a top amateur before he turned pro in June, just after the US Open, because he played in the US Open at Pebble Beach as an amateur. And the year before that, actually, no, it was a couple of years before that, he won, he actually lost, uh, he lost a playoff in a web.com. Back then it was web.com, so a Corn Ferry event. So he's a freshman in college, so he's 19 and lost, a, lost in a playoff in a tour event in the secondary tour. Um, he had a good college career. Like he didn't win a US amateur like Hovland and didn't storm and win an NCAA like Matty Wolf. And, you know, those two were the ones that had all the limelight and Colin was like the 
effectively like the third wheel when he came out. So everyone had all the focus on on those two guys. But when you when you see Colin hit the golf ball compared to everyone else, and I talked about on that podcast in terms of Benny Wolf can actually he's a very good ball striker as well, probably a bit more streaky on the on the putting. Um, but you just you look at the way Colin plays, and you could just see he was like ready, like not only just coming out of college ready, he was like ready to start winning straight off the bat. And he even talks about his mindset um, after I think it was one of Brooksy's comments around that time as well. And so he just, as soon as I saw the way he, he struck a golf ball and the way he swung it, um, it was, it just enamored me to him. And I thought he just has, he just has something about him that I'm like, he's going to go far, very fast. And to be honest, what he's achieved so far is probably 500 times more than what I expected. I thought he was just going to be a really good contender on tour and win a few tour events, you know, winning two majors in less than two years was definitely not on the books, not to be ruled out because the courses that he played on uh, right up his alley. But, you know, I was a big fan because the other two, they had all this other flash and things like that, but they just, they were good at kind of everything where Colin is elite at Tita green. Like he is probably top three Tita green on the planet and you know, even, I know Andy Johnson talks about this a lot. He, he puts Colin in best ball striker since Tiger Woods. Doesn't have the same range as Tiger because of his ability to, we'll call it, hit all nine windows, where Colin is probably a bit more focused into what his strengths are. But the thing he does is he just absolutely crushes what his strengths are. And that shone through more so, again, in the final round in terms of if anyone watched it, you just watch the shots he hits. Like they are just, it's, he's a killer. He's a killer. Yeah. Simple as that. It doesn't seem like two weeks ago, but it's you know, hard to believe that it was two years ago that we were having those chats and, you know, Hovland, Myrokawa, Wolf and Etel. And uh, you're, you're right. I remember it very, very vividly now how enamored you were with Myrokawa, who, you know, really for me and, you know, your, your job is on – especially at that time, um, was very much to be abreast of all of the up-and-comers. And, you know, I remember think, thinking, who, who's this chap and having a look? And, you know, Rocket, uh, praise to you. You were right. Um, Mike, you know, from your side of the ledger, you know, looking at the, the stats, the figures, the facts, who, what, where and why, what's been the rise and rise of Colin Morikawa in, in your world? It's pretty similar to what Rocket just said. I mean, effectively, this week, selfishly for me, the highlight of the week was uh, every week when you're having a look at a tournament and you're having a bet on it and having a look at it, you're trying to predict the future. And for me, looking at the Open, the two biggest things I wanted in a player that I was going to assess was going to be how well do they hit it into the greens and how well do they get it off the tee. And so the players that I looked at and, and thought, you know, these guys are the ones that I think are going to do really well. Now, one of them was Patrick Cantlay, who was not good at all, and that, that'll happen. But the other one was Morikawa because, as Rocket just said, he's, he's Tita Green. He's better than anyone. He's leading second probably someone like Ram, but he's exceptional. Um, and walking around, I went for a walk on Monday in lockdown here in Melbourne, and after the final round, and it was probably one of the first times in a long time I'd sat there and went, 
everything that I thought might happen he's actually worked out perfectly. He's done exactly what you wanted him to do. He, he hit the ball perfectly into greens, very rarely got too far off any fairways. And the one thing that he he's always been streaky with spain his putter and the theory for me going in was on a on a link style course the greens are going to be a little bit slower they help the worst putters because they can give them a bit more stick and, and they can aim um they're not they're not sort of putting on glass so it makes it a bit easy so it worked out really well and if you look at these stats over time and where he's come from it's always been something that he's been really really good at and now he's not only just good at it with irons he's the best what did uh Post the Scottish Open, when, when we you know, did our preview, it you know what did you what what did you say? Because you had already laid your open uh, open market back then. You had placed your you know your fifty cents each way is on whoever yep. it was, and so you had pulled the trigger on Colin back then, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. So pre pre Scottish Open, he was probably around in the normal markets that most people would bet on. He would say being around low twenties, so say twenty two, twenty three to one. By the time the Scottish Open happened and people had seen this guy have his first taste of what they saw as European golf, he started to get the drift up. So he probably, by the time he'd played some pretty average golf, had putted pretty poorly um, and no one had had any feedback as to why yet, he was probably then swimming around 30, low 30s. And on the 31. There you go. On, on Betfair, which is a tradable market, he was up to 42. So $42 he was paying to win. Um, and I kind of was the silly person that kind of bet him early and then I kept betting him the more he went out, thinking that I was missing something, but it worked out pretty well. But um, he he uh, he ended up yeah opening around that 40s, 35 to 40s, so, you know, 30, 32. So really, really good price for a guy who's an exceptional talent. Um, and then by the time the final round started, he was I think about $3.20 and Louis was about 280 somewhere around there. Wow. Now, this isn't a betting podcast, but, you know, Mike's um, information, you know, does help us uh, understand uh, who, what, where and why, as I said. Um, but I will ask you, Mike, if Min Wu got you a new set of irons, what did, uh, what's Colin going to get? What can you go from there? Uh, <laughs> I would say that if Min Wu got me a new set of irons, uh, Min Wu probably got me two sets of irons. Oh, jeez. And Colin probably got me another three or four sets of irons. Okay, well done. Um, yeah. <laughs> there was a reason why when my friends woke up on uh, on Monday morning in a, in a secondary WhatsApp group to our one, uh, the boys woke up to 500-plus messages between another gentleman and I that had both uh, had been on Colin from pre-Scottish Open odds. So, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> See, and then you know who the committed WhatsApp group is there because we didn't wake up. We were already awake. We were there. <laughs> we were the whole way through. Uh, well, that's uh, very interesting. Yeah, you're right, Colin Markawa. Wow, what a player. What What were some of your, and either of you, uh, other sort of highlights from those final two days? You know, what, what were the makers and breakers? Poor Louis. Let's talk about Louis for a second. Well, not poor Louis. Like, Louis played, you know, he just, didn't get the breaks, you know, early in that round and in the in the last round, and he just looked like he was deflated from uh, early on. I don't know. What did you think, Rocket? Uh, I've actually come up with a my own mathematical equation on this one. It's called the Norman Faldo theory of uh, major relativity, and uh, Louis falls into the Norman category of of that. And that's just someone that contends an absolute truckload is there 
just puts himself in a lot of positions all the time, just doesn't convert all the time. And the thing is he just keeps coming back. You think about he's had plenty of heartache, plenty of disappointments, but he just keeps turning up, contending, contending, contending. And Yaks, I, I think we I think we underestimate the mental effort that it requires to fight through disappointment over and over again and to continue to put yourself in the same position over and over again. And even if you don't get the chocolates, like I think it needs to be undersold because there's heaps of players that are very, very good and that may have one or two majors and they ain't contending a lot. They just happen to have won a couple, made their closer opportunities or it fell into their lap because someone threw up all over themselves. So, you know, like, for example, like it's a Bubba Watson or a Zach Johnson. They've got two majors each. But the thing is, though, they close their opportunities and they don't contend any time. But Louis there all the time. And I think we underestimate how hard it is to win a major. Um, and it's even harder to continue to contend in them all the time hmm. because it's very hard. You've got four. You know, we've talked about this before. And Mike's talked about this before. We've got four a year. And you're trying to get your game to peak at the time at that time all the time. And Louis is there all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. And you look at a guy who's played really, really good golf first round, good golf second round, good golf third round, and he's played average golf the fourth round. And altogether, he's still in any other week, what he put out there probably wins in most tournaments. Instead, he's had, you know, two guys play better in streaks. Well, and you think, right, you, you can't underestimate, and this is the other thing as well, and I made the comment, actually, no, the, I think you made the comment in terms of Colin, you're, you're worried about Colin's shirt, and I said, don't worry about it. I had the vision that it looks perfect in a tailor-made, um, you know, celebratory tweet. You did um, say that. <laughs> um, but you just see Colin when he comes to the tee, right? He, he just had that, he had the look of a killer, on the tee. And if, if you were like another, if you're his opponent and you saw how Colin played the day before, he picked up a shot on you and played really bad. Mm. And you think that's the, and you think to yourself, that's the worst he's going to hit the golf ball for the week. And you look at Colin's first four holes and you could see that it was like a matter of time. And because if you're Louie, you'd be looking at going, he's just not going to go away. Yeah. He's Absolutely. literally not going to go away. Like I actually have to go toe to toe with this guy, T to green and then try and make parts because he's, if he, he's, he's probably a better, Louis is a great ball striker. Even Colin talks about how great Louis is. Right. But the thing is though, when it comes to the crunch, Colin's already proven that he's just an absolute killer hmm. and, and, and it showed. And the day before, if you remember in that, uh, I'm sure it was a third round, Colin started, pretty shaky um, and he really got me quite nervous. He was really not looking what comfortable. He, I wouldn't say he looked nervous, but he didn't yeah, look first great. holes were pretty bad, weren't they? But he fought back and he, and he got to where he needed to be. Then, yeah, remember that stretch? He had that, that, that stretch middle late in the round where all of a sudden it's sort of like he yep. righted the ship again. Absolutely. But then you look at the fourth round, Louis had the same sort of shakes up. The difference is there's a fair bit of scar tissue there from a guy who's unfortunately or all fortunately played extremely well in majors and not close the deal. He's looking at this guy who's gone through it 
and been bulletproof and he's not missing anything, uh, it certainly wouldn't have made it any easier for Louis. Oh, and Louis would be, you know, you think about the sound that he's probably heard for the last two days of what the ball makes off Collins' clubs. Like, geez, that would just drive you mental. <laughs> like, I've, never, just, I've, ne- I've never heard it. <laughs> I, I can picture it. It, w- it would sound amazing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But if you're, if you're competing against him, like, it would be like, as soon as you hear the sound, you'd be like, oh, my God, it's going to be all over the flag again. <laughs> it was... Uh, I felt for Louis because I'm a big Louis fan, and but every time you saw his T-shirt and they had the tracer on there, it was just like a little frozen rope just down the middle, down the middle, down the middle. And he, and he, I guess he just doesn't have that sort of Morikawa factor where you know you can like a racehorse, you know, like he's always going to be there at the top of the straight, and you know if he's got his nose in front and no one's got the brilliance to overtake him, he's always he'll, he'll be there and win. But it, that brilliance factor, that X factor to to do something in the moment that matters. Yes, you'll hit quality shots, but just that X factor part of it just isn't there. Yeah, I think from a front runner perspective, like you look back to it, the when he won the Open at St Andrews in 2010, he absolutely just blitzed the field, right? So from a front runner perspective, is really good. I think it's the when it gets a little bit close mm. and he's not free. So whatever it is, he's just gets to a point where he's just not free anymore. Um, all credit to him, though, because his putting, um, I'll say his putting in, in 2021 has improved a lot and that's why he's contended a lot more because actually I think the way he was putting was really, really good. I like the way he's, he's almost like Aaron Badley sort of mm. loosens up, sit, bang, pulls the trigger. Mm. So he's got free there, but it's just a couple of shots in the moment just – you know, a little bit loose on a tee shot, a little bit loose on a second shot and stuff like that. And you got Colin where he's getting upset with one of them and like lands in one blade on in yeah. the second cut. It, it can't be forgotten as well. And this will only make sense to the people that listen to the halfway podcast. Louis did have Jinx Barry with him and, and Jinx Barry doesn't win very often. <laughs> and, and, and I'm quite happy again, but at 4.05 on Monday morning when, when uh, Colin sunk the winning part, Jinx Barry had been up all night watching, hoping that Usti was going to win, but he didn't quite get there. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Louis. <laughs> now, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, Morikawa's mental game. Uh, I'm catching up with Jamie hopefully tomorrow, uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but it does seem to be, you know, when we talk about things that are X factors, he does seem to be one of these players that does have a very good control and grasp and understanding and connection at a very young age to his mental game. It seems to be one of the things that makes the difference for him at his age. Uh, I saw, I remember you, I think it was you, Ross, that posted the picture of Ram um, closing off his glove to get in the mindset. And you saw uh, uh, Colin, every time he got up on the tee to take a shot, he'd take that deep breath. He'd just take this big, deep breath and then settle himself. He, he's got his got his routines. Yeah. It, uh, that post was over on the Mental Mastery uh, private Facebook group, which anyone can go and join if they're interested in the mental game. On Facebook, just look up Mental Mastery Clubhouse, a private Facebook group. I'll let you in. Um, and there's some people in there that like uh, learning about the mental game. Uh, Jamie sort of chimes in there, and um, it's a good place to be. But yeah, I posted that video there of Morica, uh, not, um, John Rahm on the first tee. He clearly already had his glove on, but he just gives it a rip and a close. And 
you know, if you if you've listened to Jamie's material, uh, you know, that is certainly a technique of you know being able to switch on and step into that commitment. So, um, yeah. Well, I, the, well the other thing as well with that is that the thing that separates him from the others is, you know, if you want to go with clarity and just how he approaches it, he's looking to make history. He's not outwardly talking about it, but you can get little snippets and tidbits along the journey when he talks about certain things. And for him, he's looking at it go, I've won another major, bang. On the, he's going to celebrate it. He's going to make the most of it. And then it's going to be bang onto the next one. And he talked about, if you watched his interview post around, he talked about how he's going to celebrate this one a little bit more and savor it. But then that it'll be right. I've got to reset my goals because after he won the PGA last year, he talked about how he sort of dipped off at the end of it. And he's like, I'm going to have to go and reevaluate how I approach this to make sure I continue on and finishing off the year really strong. So you can see he's really aware of um, what is going on in terms of his mental approach. But the thing is, though, you can see he's just really focused. Like two majors, you know, we've talked about how hard they are to win. He's hasn't turned 25 yet. There are many more to come because he is as more, he's more focused than I've probably seen a young player for a very, very long time. This is almost like Tiger Woods-esque in terms of he's he's got a long-term goal and he's got a series of steps and he's just going to continue to work through them until he start, just continues to start to tick them off. I was going to ask you, Rocket, and you know, for those that are listening, uh, you can't see Rocket's background, but it is the, I think, maybe 2019 TaylorMade Christmas card uh, picture. And in there, if we just go, you know, who have we got? Matt Wolf. We've got Colin Man. in there. Yep. DJ. Ram. Tiger. Tiger. Jason and, Day. Um, Jason Day. Yep. And uh, so if the if that was the current picture, there'd be a couple, maybe one or two out. Uh, but who'd be in? There'd be uh, Fleetwood would be in. Who? Anyone else would be in? Uh, maybe um, uh, Bobby Mack, maybe? I'd, li- I'd love to see Bobby Mack in the TaylorMade Christmas card <laughs> next year. He'd bring a lovely good bit of Christmas cheer and spirit to the to the place. I tell you that much. Guarantee that. <laughs> Guaranteed. Bobby Mack is, I don't think he'd smile. He wouldn't be in the background smiling. And he doesn't smile too much, Bobby Mack. Anyway, we'll get back to Bobby Mack. Anyway, the point that I was going to make is you've got Morikawa circled at the front there. Uh, and Rory, Rory's the other one. He's, he's right behind you. Oh, yeah, yeah, Rory's. Yeah. Rory's behind you. Um, Tiger is in that picture. Is Colin Morikawa the closest thing we've seen or will see to the modern-day Tiger Woods? I think that's unfair. Oh, see, here's the thing is that we could do all these comparisons and stuff like that. Oh, Tiger's a different – he's a different he's, – he's a different animal, different beast. Never see – I don't think we'll ever see anything like him ever again. No, but as no. Quite, but in the modern era, you know, so you, you opened up and you said, you know, he, he's a ball striker. No. He doesn't go through the nine windows like Tiger. I think that's the, the modern version of the golfer. They can't do what there, Tiger did. There's elements, there's elements of what he do which is kind of Tiger-esque, right? But I, I'm never going to put a player into that's the closest thing to Tiger because I think that's unrealistic expectations because what Tiger achieved, and I could shorten it into like a, an eight-year window, is something that would never – is unbeatable unachievable ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but my point is, let's say we're not going to see someone like Tiger in our generation again, you know, it does the same as Tiger, but if there was 
someone who's going to stand out and separate themselves from the pack and win more majors yeah. and, and be – This man. Is that Colin? The next five years. Yeah, yeah next, five, next five years of Colin, I think we're going to see him separate – he will separate himself from the pack. Because mm. Tiger can play the shots that these guys can play, but these guys can't play the shots that Tiger can play. So there's always going to be that difference. So it wasn't like that, but it was like, yeah. So mark this date. It's, uh, what's the date? The date is the 20th of July, uh, 2021. Yep. When, when we get to episode 445 and <laughs> Colin ticks over his 17th major, uh, we'll come back to the 20th of July, 2021, and uh, remind everyone of this podcast. Okay, other hits and misses. It was, was it, it was great to see the crowds back. For us Aussies sitting down here in our 15th lockdown uh, with the whole country delving back into a lockdown, it's incredibly hard for us to fathom what's happening in the UK. And it, as great as it is to see crowds out and about we still can't get our heads around it but uh it was good to see a british crowd out there on the links um being appropriate supporters hmm. no and it was i think i'm guessing it was lower numbers than what they normally have but there was still a lot of people out there um i think that i think it's great to see people out there it was good to hear the the normal uh European crowds, I'll say, rather than the American crowds. The American crowds are a little bit more raucous and a bit uglier. But I thought it was, I thought it was a great week. Oh, it would have been perfect weather, very, un, very unopened championship like weather. Yeah. Uh, and just a little bit of a not an apology to our American listeners over there. Uglier, you know what? What, what um, Mike's saying is, we're not massive fans of mashed potatoes. <laughs> no, we're not massive fans of get in the hole. And I'm not sure that many other parts of the world outside the US are. So, or Bubba Booey. Or Bubba Booey. So no Bubba Booey's, no mashed potatoes, no get in the holes, you the mans. Um, we're not massive fans of that. Uh, no. We take that prob- probably from our British cousins. But, uh, yeah, anyway, it was great to see the crowds out there. Y- y- you're right. Um, very, I guess, in that part of in that part of the UK, way down south. Now, I'm not a, a weatherman, but I think it does tend to have better weather than in the parts of uh, the UK where the Open's probably played more often in north of the border where my country is from um, where, you know, I remember when at 2016. Have I ever mentioned that I went to the 2016 Open? No. At Troon? No. no okay. No, no, have, you, have, you, have you ever played golf with Min Lee? Oh, have I? Yes, <laughs> so I have. Won the Scottish. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I, I distinctly remember the first day we turned up, I got sunburnt and it was in a T-shirt. And then come uh, Sunday, started the day in full wet weather gear, ended the day back in a T-shirt. So that's... Uh, I guess that's golf, but uh, that's golf in those parts, and that's what we probably Sounds used to. Like Melbourne, open, yeah, open weather being being more like. I um, oh geez, that was a funny day. You know the you know the coffin, um, the uh, the the uh, the small par three at the Crawl Tomb. What's it called? The uh, the one with the coffin stamp, the postage stamp with the coffin bucket. I raced down there like a small you know child running to get to the front of the line. Run down, it's right down the back of the course. I get down there on the first one in the stand. You know that you don't pay. I've probably told this story seven times. You don't pay. You get in. Hey, right, sir, you can take your choice of the seats because they're all empty. Fantastic. It's 8.01 in the morning. Great. I've got my thermos of coffee. I've got my sandwiches. I'm sitting down. I'm like in the top corner. I'm like in position one and there's no golfers. I'm like, oh, right. And then they start coming around and they're, you know, the guys that you never heard of. That You know, they're the first hitter offerers. And it starts to rain. Mm. And then I start to look at my watch going, it's going to be like 85 hours sitting here. And then I need to go. And by this time, the place is full. And then I had to go to the toilet. I lost my seat. And, you know, get your seat back. You've got to go line <laughs> up again. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, you don't get your seat. Like, there's a line up and it's just one in, one out. And it's the fairest should and have, best. You should have had a second thermos. <laughs> 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 I could have just over the, 
one for consumption, <laughs> uh, I one for extraction. That was a good. That to me, uh, that was a great part of the open. Just those stands that you see popping up, you know, and that reminds me of the links. You know, you see the flat land and those stands popping up everywhere that you can see. Mm. And that that looks amazing. But you can just get walk up and if you get a seat, you can get a seat and you can stay as long as you want and you walk down and someone else takes your seat and away you go. It's great. Mm. Love it. It's funny you mentioned the stands. It's one thing that they mentioned a few times on the telecast about the players' lines and where they were looking to hit the ball. And they said without the stands, they said they'd really struggle. And I was sitting there thinking about it and I thought – you really would struggle because it's quite the views are those stands. Mm. Don't forget, was it, um, is it, um, which is the tee shot one? No, it's the second shot, the second shot on, on five because they got the, the TV tower, the crane mm. be, with for the camera shot. So that's actually, um, the one that they, you know, it's like, oh, a bit left of the, a bit left of the crane. Yep. You wouldn't want the crane to move. No. But- no. Oh. 40 yards left of the green. <laughs> now, um, we've left out a couple of players in, in the chat, but uh, we all thought that maybe on at the cut pod that John Rahm was going to maybe come through with a steamrolling effect, but it was uh, our boy uh, Jordan that really was the one that showed the most uh, potential to explode. Oh, you go. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, they both did. Jordan, Jordan was um, definitely being Jordan-esque in the final round, but Rahm... Uh, Ram looked scary uh, for four days. I was going to say two days, but he's all scary for four days. I think with any sort of luck and a few parts dropping, he would have been mm. right up there. Yeah. Uh, one, I'll talk about Ram first. So Ram, he, he should have been like 28 under. <laughs> Peter Green, he was just, he was probably for 60 holes awesome. But the thing is, though, those other 12 like it was garbage and and then interspersed with that, you know, was average putting, you know, really streaky and he was just – he just looked angry all week. He looked angry all the time, like more so than normal. Hmm. So something was, I don't know, got his goat. But, you know, he, he again is going to be another one that will probably contend – he's got the taste of it and so I expect him to be sort of contending a lot more now than – you know, he's sort of broken through. Um, but then Mr. Spieth, uh, it's really good. It, it's like, well, it's almost like the world is balanced again when Jordan is back because it's just good to have him back because he's just fantastic to watch. And is just, and it's one of the few players that if you're watching him play, the normal person can actually kind of relate to him because he's not the longest He's not the straightest, but he just some, somehow just golfs his ball around and then ends up with a score and you go, how did that happen? Yeah. And he just does that day in, day out. He has lots of up and ups and downs. He's just lots of energy when he has his little strut. I, I don't know. It's great for him. It's great to be back. And you think back to, I think it was the Farmers. Was it the Farmers before the waste management? I can't remember, but he missed the cut and then he had that shot at 61 at, at the um, waste management and that it's almost like he just found something yep. and then from there the rest of the year <clears throat> has been this slow trajectory he breaks through for the win and if you look back at his last probably 10 tournaments i think he's except for a couple he's finished in the top 10 for like the last 10 events i only know this because that what you just said then is exactly what a mate and i were talking about at 
three seventeen uh, Monday morning, <laughs> and we were saying the same sort of thing. And I looked up Jordan Spieth's world golf ranking, and at the Farmers, ninety second. He was ninety second in the world. On this podcast, I was jo- I was making the joke that if he keeps going like this for another couple of weeks, he will be outside of the top one hundred. Now I don't know what he is today, but I'm guessing you have to be up to top fifteen. Uh, yeah, I know. I think he's back inside the top twenty. Yeah, yeah. He, he could be up around about the fourteen, fifteen mark. Yep. Just like you said, just not just like like a rocket, but just gradually, just continually getting going up and up and up again. Probably best he said he's driver for a very long time. He was really, really good. Yeah. And he was really good. Look like he was hitting a little bit further than he, than he normally has. Um he doesn't hit it far, but he looked nah, like he but was, he was hitting he was he was hitting he was hitting his draws again because um I know when he's going through those struggles he had the Tiger Woods power cuts. Is he playing Mike, do you know what's in his bag? Is he using a TSI? Like he's a tightless guy, but if is he using don't a TSI? Know. Don't know. Uh, I think the the general consensus is the guys that have moved to a TSI. There's a couple of extra yards in those things. He's twenty third, so he's it's a, it's a big change, big move. Um, yeah, it's it's great to see Jordan back playing. The you know the world of golf loves Jordan. Clearly, there's a lot of love for Jordan, and and I think the game needs Jordan Spieth performing where we're used to seeing him perform. I, I'm a bit soft on Jordan, you know, you know soft, that's not the, maybe the right descri- description. You know, I'm, I'm not his number one fan. He's not one, you know, I, put him, I wouldn't put him in my, you know, dream four ball. Uh, I love, I like him as a golfer, but I just know from what I see, touch and feel with all of the, um, you know, people that I talk to that people love Jordan. There's a lot of love for Jordan. So it's good for the game that he's back on form and, and back up there and, you know, hopefully yeah, contending. I think, and, I think his game has followed his hairline. <laughs> It's, it's back. It's not. It's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh, really? And, and and Ross, you also uh, you also know your golf clubs because he's currently using the Titleist TSI three. Yeah, well, that's a great choice of drivers for wonderful strikers of the uh, the golf ball off the tee. Let me tell you that much, Mike. Um, I don't endorse any clubs here on this podcast, but it is a great choice of driver for people who want to hit a long, hit long balls. Yeah, like I don't talk about TaylorMade or anything like that ever. <laughs> well, they've got a fair bit of value from you. Um, but you did, you did get those two sleeves of balls. Like, and I'm a Callaway man. This is perfect. This is a, we've got the full set. <laughs> oh no, I, I'm I am I play I play away. I play across a lot of different areas. You know, like I just it's like a agnostic. Small, agnostic. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like golf for me is like a smorgasbord. Literally, like you know, if you look at my bag, which is just sitting over there. Um, you know, you would find maybe representation from six or seven brands. But anyway, enough of that. Um, now, what else? Let's let's talk about uh, Bruce. Uh, he was Brooks. He was he wasn't Bruce that week. Okay, he was Bruce for nine holes, and then he went back into being Brooks again. That last five holes, he could have posted a decent score and could have had him scared. He was, his, his final round was really really good, and but again, it's you know he's had a really good year. I, I still think whatever he's battling with with the knee injury, I, I just don't think he's getting enough reps in. And um, I don't know if he's going to play the playoff series, but then he uh, he just needs to get he just needs to get his knee right and then be able to practice and get reps in and come back 
blazing again in 2022 because, you know, it's, I think of what he what he's produced in this year, considering all the things that have gone on. You just need him to be fit, and you know maybe we can get back over the line. I was going to say he's not playing the Olympics, but I just looked at the list and he's not playing the Olympics. So, no. yeah, who's the so Bryson and who's the other Olympian for um, Olin, JT, Colin. and um, Zander. Do you think the uh, US team are giving those guys a bit of stick? Do you think they're saying in the athletes' village? I, I would guess just with COVID protocol, they probably have to. Mm, Ash probably. Ash Barty's not staying in the athletes' village. She's copped a bit of a little bit of uh, a little bit of stick um, for going to the athletes' village today and and you know seeing everyone and being part mm. of the team, but she's not staying there and copped a little bit of flack from the teammates I, there. I tell you what, the US teammates, they'd be just excited to have Bryson in there about to cook up bacon and eggs every morning. That's true. <laughs> oh, well, the reason why I ask is I wonder how he's going to go on those cardboard beds that they've dished out for them all, the no-sex cardboard beds. Well, he, he doesn't have to worry about part of that, but <laughs> the, the size of the bed might be the worry. Well, that's what it means. <laughs> that's what I mean. He's like, imagine that. Boom. Uh, anyway. Um, he's actually slimmed off a little bit too. Has he? he? Did, yeah. He, oh, yeah. He's, he's not as thick as he used to be. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, I definitely agree on that. I did ask myself that question. Now, can we let's talk about our uh, tippages, our tips. Um, can I yes. just can I just lead off with my uh, stone cold killer of a tip that I seem to you know be able to just on a roll with? Top Scott. Top Scott, Bobby Mack. Yep. Well done. He did. And he's uh, making the trek this week over to the US to play, I believe. Yeah. yeah he's going to go play at the 3M. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I found that well, it's a bit weird because Oosti's um, in and so is DJ. So unless they withdraw tomorrow, which wouldn't shock me, but they're, they're all in at the moment. Uh, tips were, um, I've got, for Ross, I've got Westwood 59th, Pultz 26th, and Casey finished 15th. For Rocket, I've got Pulse 26th, Brooks 6th, and Tyrrell miscut. And I had uh, Cantlay miscut, Xander 26th, and Cole winner. I think that was right. Okay. I, I double-checked because I thought Rocket had Cole, but Rocket had no, Cole. No, I just put money on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. No, you had Cole the week. You had Cole in Scotland. The week before. I did too. I did too. Yeah. Well, very good. Um in the subcategories, you know, let's go back to me for a second. So top, so I had it, had it confused for a bit, but the top GB and I. Let's let's go uh, let's go with the I. I had, let's go with the I part of the GB and I. I think I got that. Top, you did Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry I got the top oh, Scott, and did. and Paul Casey was was the top uh, the top GB, and he was in the triumph. Yeah, he was in the triple way treat of uh, Casey Poulter and, and Westwood. Yep. And Rocket got top Aussie with Cam Smith and uh, Ross, you and I put a line through Maddie Jones, Herbie and Minwoo. Didn't didn't help them at all with our uh, tips. Uh, sorry, boys, for putting the moz on you. Um, yeah. I, tell you what, I was disappointed with Cam Smith's final round. Mm. Yeah. He shoots three under. I make a little bit extra bank. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he's another. Oh, he's he's off to uh, he's off the Olympics. He's one that actually I can see going okay at the Olympics. He's he could um, 
he's, he sounds like he's very excited to be there, which is good. Actually, Colin, Colin will be an interesting one at the Olympics. Hmm? So why do you say that, uh, Mike? Why do you think Cam will go well at the Olympics? Have you done any- I look at, No, I haven't looked at it at all. haven't looked at the course, haven't looked at it, haven't even thought about um, assessing the market. More than anything, I look at it as something that's a bit of fun. Uh, it's not the major. There's a lot of these guys are going there and they're going to want to play well, and but it is a little bit different. Um, and the vibe that I get, I, I could see someone like Cam Smith going well. Um, again, not not having a look at the tournament course, but maybe someone like Abe Answer, someone that's going to be playing really solid golf and and could be switched on for the week more than a, a top 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 tier. I wonder if Leisha uh, and and Cam are you know bunking down in the athletes' village. I think if you look, I'm not going to be going to the Olympics anytime soon. But um, I think that if I ever qualified to do anything, even if it was something like this or an individual sport like tennis or golf, you'd have to want to at least go and see what the Olympics village is like and get the full experience, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to do it? It comes around once every four years. I, I know I've poo-pooed it before, but at the same time, the fact that it's there, you represent your country and it comes around every four years. You may only ever get to do this once in your life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, as, as golfers, we probably, you know, fought hard enough for a long time to have golf recognised as, as an Olympic sport. They gave it to us. Um, if you are an Olympian and you're representing the country at golf, it doesn't matter whether you're a multi, multi-billionaire global sports star, jump in and embrace it. Get involved. Mm. You, they, you know, the IOC give you the tracksuit, wear it with pride and wear it when everyone else is wearing it. Just slip out of the bed, straight into the tracksuit, down to the thing, have your breakfast and away you go. That's it. And if you, if you don't have a good time and, you know, you don't represent your country well and you don't think you're going to get a chance to represent the next time around, just do what Sabatini does and switch countries. Find someone else <laughs> where you can get a yeah. rank for. Yeah, exactly. Just find a country that you can try and qualify. That's it. <laughs> How big is the Slovenian uh, Olympic team? We should do. We should. Uh, when it, when when will the Olympics be played? What's the date? Is it week after next? The date yeah. is 29th. So yeah, nine days for the golf. Nine days. Well, um, listeners, uh, if you do leave us a like, share, subscribe, and all that sort of thing, uh, thank you. But the 29th, just something small, um, nothing too big. That's a special day in this podcast. Well, that's so we can can we convene on the 29th? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, is that really what you want to do for your birthday? Well, at this rate, I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> I've got nothing, nothing else going on. Um, very good. Now, uh, any other tournaments? The Barber, the Barbasol. Barbasol, yeah. I did watch a little bit of the Barbasol. Um, really? How? <laughs> I, I, was, I was cooked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd had a bet. <laughs> I'd had a bet on Luke List, and he was going quite well. Um, but then he, he played pretty poorly in the last round. But I watched the playoff, which was which was good. It was a little bit disappointing. JT posted, I, I don't mind JT. Um, some mates in the States are pretty good friends of his caddy. Uh, and I was I was happy to see him win. And he was going really, really well down the stretch. Uh, I think he had about three or four shot lead on the back nine and then uh, doubled 15 and bogeyed 16. Um, ended up in a playoff with Seamus Power. Uh, and it was a bit like the 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 playoff the other week. It was a little bit the first time around they both birdied 18 and then they were both making pars and they went back to par three and played a couple of times and didn't look like it was going to go anywhere. JT, once they got back to the 18th, hit his tee ball in the water and, uh, yeah, that was it. So he ended up, I think, making double and and Seamus um, 
Seamus made his par for the win. So does Seamus still get all of the recognition and whatever uh, credit for winning on the PGA Tour? He gets his yep. two-year exemption, yep. certainly. There might I, don't, be, I don't think he gets into the Masters office. Yeah, I was going to say, exactly that. Yeah, I think there'd be, because it's an alternate um, tournament, I think there's a couple of things he doesn't get, but he get, and he'd get less FedEx Cup points, which I'm sure he's very worried about, but his, his job's locked up for at least a couple of years. Well, he's another one from the uh, the GB and I part of the I, and uh, I, I've been following uh, Seamus Power for a wee bit, and uh, I, I don't mind the... Uh, the cut of his golf, to be fair, and um, good to see him win. Good to see him win. Anything else, gents? Have we missed anything? No. Um, the, only, the only thing I have to do before we go is I've got uh, we've got a new listener in New South Wales, oh, and he's oh. he's got his first. Uh, he says that he's in lockdown, but as Victorians, we know he's in a mockdown, which is I'm just telling him <laughs> someone else. It's like a lockdown, but not quite. I like Jared, that. That's funny. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I've stolen that. Um, Young Jared, he keeps saying to me, you got to give me a shout-out on the podcast. I've got nothing else to do. I'm listening to it and you're not talking about me. I don't know why we were talking about him, so, but there you go. That's done. Well, there's a couple of New South, <laughs> New South Welshmen, to be fair. Uh, PK, um, Mr. Kethel, how are you? Uh, thank you for all of your contributions. It is appreciated. Now, one thing that uh, PK is um, – I've got your hat. So I'm not even wearing a hat in honour of you um, – your contributions, uh, Mr. Kethel, Mr. PK. PK plays golf. Um he he's he's appeals to my need for correction. He's the ultimate corrector. You know, when, whenever I've missed a, a date or I've gone, oh, I can't remember at the moment, he'll always come through with a message going, 2017, round four, New South Wales Open, or whatever whatever it is, he always comes back. Uh, he's always got my back. Thank you very much. Um, who's your boy up there, uh, Mike? What's his name? Jared. Lights. Where's Jared from? I don't know. He's outside of Sydney. We used to work at I, – I, uh, the exciting answer is we used to be Coke dealers together. We used to sell Coca-Cola is, a, is, is, a, is a sad answer many, many moons ago. So, yeah. Okay. And He's plays up there, mad, mad golfer. Plays golf out of? Where does he play? Don't know that either. He has told me the next month there that I should come and have a hit, but – yeah, we haven't got around to that yet because okay. I'm locked, locked up here and he's locked up there. Well, that's part of the uh, plans to get up to. Where do we want to play when we go to Sydney, uh, Rocket? Well, where do we? St. Michael's. St. Michael's? Well, we can go to New South Wales, St. Michael's um, and Bonnie Doon. Can we do that? Through? Can we make a trip? You know, we don't have to go too far, don't travel too far to get to those three and, and do that. Excellent. They're 10 minutes apart, aren't they? Yeah, they Ooh. are. Correct. Yeah. Tick. Now, uh, I did it. Have you guys done it? No, you don't know what I'm talking about. Get in the ballot for the 150th Open. I did say you did that. I, I, I have had the emails from them, but I haven't, no, I haven't signed up. No, I haven't. You've got um, to be in I'll, it. I'll, imagine yeah, imagine I'll, if I'll you, think... you get in the ballot and you, you get the notification that has come through. I got drawn out for the Masters tickets, for, so I know exactly how it feels. It's really good. And, and what do you do? You go. Yeah, that's it. So get in the uh, in the ballot. I went to Mrs. Magic Mike and said, "Just got drawn out for these tickets, and I've got four tickets to the Wednesday par three day at the Masters, and I'm thinking about going. And I, this is what I think." And she said, "I don't even know why you're asking me. We both know you're going." I said, "Yeah, you're right. I am." <laughs> I, I don't have as uh, good a story as that, but I the closest I've ever got to winning anything like that. Well, I actually got the tickets was for the Ryder Cup. At Glen Eagles, uh, had tickets for me and my son. Um, he's not a golfer, but I was going to take him with me. And 
you know, you know the length of time that it takes to get in this ballot process. So it was like 18 months beforehand, I get the tickets and it was just as I started to do what I'm doing now, it was like a month apart and I just couldn't pull myself out of, you know, the new venture and take myself off to Scotland. So I just let them go. And, uh, you know, I was sitting down having a meeting one day with my people I do business with and they go, oh, no, you would have been right. We, we, we would have been fine. You should have gone. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for telling me now. But, uh, yeah, that was probably not the wisest move, not going to the, the Ryder Cup there at Glen Eagles. But, uh, anyway, we'll get there one day. But, uh, yeah, the Open, the 150th St Andrews, we should go. So how did the ballot work? Did you have to pay up front or do you just wait until the name's drawn out and they let you know? Or how does it work? Yeah, no, you, you select your tick, your, the days that you want to go and then you, I'm assume they do the ballot and they let you know and you've got a certain window of time to then buy pay for the tickets. Okay. But you don't, no, you don't have to pay up front. But you, yeah. you get, if you get identified as someone in the ballot, you get a certain amount of time to pay for them and, and then they're yours and away you go. Yeah, yeah same, same as the Masters. All right. Very good. Are we wrapping it up? Norman Faldo theory of major relativity. The Norman Faldo theory of major relativity. What's the, um, so Louis plays in the Norman side of that theory of relativity. Is someone playing on the Faldo side or, or are they both the same? No, they're not the same because, you, you know, if you go by pure numbers, yeah. you've got Norman's one two, Faldo's one six. But the thing is, though, if you go by how many times they've contended in a major or actually been in the mix to win majors, Norman has a very high percentage of being in contention, yes. a la like Louis, yes. versus Faldo, who's probably converted more of his opportunities than than um, his based on how many he's contended in. So if you look at Faldo of his career, 87 open, uh, the next time he sort of is in, um, has a major at his fingertips is the playoff. He loses to Curtis Strange in 88. He wins 89 Masters off the back of Scott Choke and Norman's terrible shot into the last of the um, 89, which is probably mental scars from 86. Then you have 90 um, Masters where Ray Floyd throws up, throws all over himself as well. Then the next um, one that he contends in in is ninety, which is probably the only major I could say he dominated from start to finish, which was the one where he won by five hundred million shots at St Andrews. Then the next time he appears is the ninety-two um, Open back at Muirfield again, where John Cook basically just throws up all over himself in the last couple of holes and hands that um, to Nick. And then the 96 one, which is was basically just gift-wrapped and kissed and basically put on his front porch by the shark. And then you can go the flip side. And that's, that's essentially right. You think about there's probably eight to ten majors max that Faudo's probably had a position to win and he converted on six where I was doing the calculations on the shark and you could go all the way back to 84, then you go 86 Masters, 86 US Open, 86 British Open, which he'd won, 86 PGA where he's robbed, 87 Masters, robbed, 89 Masters, blew it, um, 89 um, Open, um, blew it, um, 90 US Open, blew it, 
then you go to 93, um, open, won it, 93 PGA, blew it, um, 95 US Open, blew it, 96 Masters, more than blew it. I, I worked out there's probably about 15 majors that he was actually in the mix, we'll call it come nine holes to go, and he comes away with two. Mm. So the theory of relativity, you've got ones that make the most of their opportunities and you've got others that are in there all the time, a, a small pocket, but they don't convert as often. And there's a very rare mix of a few that sit in between. You know, Faldo has the same amount of majors as Mickelson. Mickelson's probably contended in more. So Mickelson potentially could have more majors. Then you've got Tiger, who's just a complete freak. And then you've got others that have probably contended in four majors and one too. If you're a younger listener of this podcast, and I'm not sure if we have many younger listeners, but, you know, of course you'll know Greg Norman. But what Rocket just uh, dished out there was a little bit of an insight into the length of time that that great man played golf at the top level. Yes, okay, he didn't convert, and the ones there that were um, blew it, you know, were very painful for all of us uh, young fans of Greg Norman, but he was he was phenomenal as a golfer for a long, long, long time. You know, you go back to the... The vision of him with the the tight, you know, high waisted pants on and the long hair, and to, you know, to think that he was still up there, you know, probably in world top ten in ninety six, ninety seven. Um, he he was. And, and we talk about the mental fortitude of putting yourself in the position. I challenge, I challenge, I'll do an open palm point challenge. I'll challenge anyone to show me a person who's been. Yes, he's failed in majors and. But I don't think anyone quite really understands. 86 PGA, Bob Tway holds a bunker shot to beat him. Mm, I remember it. I remember it. It shouldn't ever have got to that point, right? Mm. Bye-bye. 1987 Masters. Again, should never have got to that point, but Larry Mize holds a chip shot to beat him. Back-to-back majors. Like, show me a person that wouldn't be in a straight jacket after that. All right, and, you, and then you fast forward even to 96, which is even the worst. And But the thing is, though, in between that, he still contended in another probably 10 majors. Mm. Like, the, he does a lot of weird things. He does a lot of strange things, but that's probably part of why he's able to do what he's done for a long period of time and the mental fortitude that it takes to get there. And I think, again, as I talked about with Louis, people underestimate the the mental toughness that someone has to show to put themselves in a position over and over and over and over again. It's really, really hard. And to continue to put themselves in, in a position where they could be ridiculed, spoken about in terms of quarter choker, can't get it done, but they continue to do it, has to be congratulated and also celebrated because there are lots of players out there that have the same amount of majors as a shark and they're the only two that they've ever contended in. They've never had even a sniff of anything else outside of that. Well, last week and last weekend was all about Colin, but you know, Louis, he'll be back. He'll be back and he'll yeah. contend again. And and I'm I'd tip him for for winning a couple. I, I will tip him. He'll he'll turn turn it at some time. He's been around for a while now, but he's he's just a great man. You look at those videos; they were they were all jokes. But him dancing and singing on the plane and dancing in the bus. You know, how could you? He'd he'd be in one of my you know selections for dream four balls. I'd love to have a have a have a hit with Louis. I'd, I'd love to to do that. I, I was 
warmed up next to him on the range. That uh, did I tell you I played in the, the Open there uh, when I played with Min Wu, the Australian Open, uh, Mike, up in the uh, Australian. Uh, rings a bell. Mm. Yeah, we warmed up on the range next to Louis, so <laughs> it was pretty good. Let me tell you, just, that would be good. No, I, I didn't hit a ball. I was watch, watching Mike Brown, who was playing in the uh, All Abilities, and and basically it was Mike then Louis. It was fantastic. Um, what I was going to say. Of the, speaking of the shark, well, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, my, uh, yeah, I did. That was, that's what I was going to. Oh, yeah. Is that is that why you've got some shark love happening? Because you've picked up a set of Tour Edition Greg Norman limited edition blades. Yep. Where did they come yep. from? eBay. Three hundred and twenty bucks. They're in mint condition. They look fantastic. Yeah, they're in mint condition. Mike Froney was like, <laughs> sent him a photo, and he goes, "Good get." <laughs> Would get. So once again, for the for the old guys of uh, the golf world, you'll know probably what Rocket's talking about. We're talking sort of circa 1988. So, yep. So he had those two edition blades, 85, 6, 7, 8 sort of thing while he was wearing yep. the sport, repping the yep. sporting bag, the, the yep. one that looked like a, a Coke um, bottle. We talked about anyone that. Anyone out there that can find the sporting bag like that with the umbrella sheath, the hidden umbrella sheath, not the ring on the outside, hit me up. I want that sucker. There you go. Um, if you can find my uh, sporting bag candlestick holder from Year Seven Art Class too, um, <laughs> that's uh, that's how enamoured I was with the Sharky's bag. Uh, they look pure. Um, are they going to be gamers, or are they just going to be sit in the corner sort of things? No, they're they've, they're going to get used. Yeah. You know, I've got you know Luke and I have to defend the uh, the rollback at some time uh, this year, so I thought I'd better equip myself. Um, for that event, so they will get they will get used, um, but they will definitely not be abused because uh, I've wanted a set of these bad boys since I was eleven. I've been the biggest shark fan of all all time, and and the video that if anyone saw it on Instagram, uh, Mrs. Rocket was standing in the corner while I was doing. I had to do two takes of this video because she was saying stuff in the background, and she's like. What are you doing? I said, honey, can you just, just let me recall this video? And she's standing there staring at me like <laughs> like literally, oh, I've married a complete dickhead. Rocket, <laughs> Rocket uh, that I, I officially, I know you've been playing in the world of the Instagrams for a little while and you have a little bit of fun, but uh, now that you're, you've been, you know, chided by your wife in the background for doing an Instagram video, welcome to the world of being an Instagram wanker. Congratulations, welcome to the club. Thank you. I want to, you know, I, I'm not even sure which one to play here. Oh, it's not that one. No, it's not that one. Yes. <laughs> but things are, you know, she doesn't get it, right, is that, you know, these are clubs that I, I remember seeing it and you think as a kid, you know, the clubs that you could afford then and you just look at those and you're like, I want to set. And as I got older and I was actually playing, like they weren't the clubs that I was going to be using on the course and stuff like that. Um but as later in life, I kept looking at it on eBay and then, you know, that time I saw Mike's and I'm just like, oh, my God. And he goes, oh, I've got a couple sets. And it's like, it's like he just set, he just set this little bug off in my head. And it was, it was last week and I'm sitting on the couch and I saw this set and I'm like, yeah, it's 320 bucks I'm buying. Um, yours are a bit different. They've got Greg Norman edition stamped on the top. The Mike's yeah, done. correct. So, no, he's got this. He's got the traditional pure blades. These ones, I think, were a custom, a custom one that came out. I think these were nineteen eighty-eight ones. Where the Mike's um, ones, I think, are a bit more of an eighty-six, eighty-seven um, 
uh, blend. Um, and give us a rundown of the of the make of them. Uh, so um, shaft wise, S three hundreds. Okay, S three hundreds with some very old grips on them. So the grips will get changed, okay. um, but just how they feel and everything like that, and how they look, they look just. They look so pure. They're so pure. So you've got 11-year-old kid is just excited. Like, it's so funny. This box arrives and Mrs. Rocket's going, huh, what's this? And I went, that's my purchase from the other week. I'll pull it out and I'm like laying them on the floor and I'm swinging them and she's like, you're weird. <laughs> yeah. No, well, as I say, welcome to welcome to the world of uh, Instagram fogness and uh, old golf clubs. Uh, Magic, um, did you go to the rollback event? I didn't. I did. I was. I did want to go, and there was some reason that I couldn't. I got a funny feeling I was interstate that night. Okay. Well, you know, I'll definitely be the next one. Have you got a set of old golf clubs? About three sets of old golf clubs. Old enough to qualify for rollback status? Yeah. What, what have you got? Oh, I've got. I've got an old set of Apex uh, Hogan. Hogan oh yes, blades. we talked about this the other day. Yeah. yeah, I got a set of my first proper set still sitting in the cupboard. The Tideless DCI nine nineties with the full staff bag, and um, they're the two that I got there that are full sets. And then I got an then I posted a picture of the of the uh, driver the other day. I got a very old retro ugly set of Tideless muscle back plasticky looking things from the eighties, which I really like the look of. Yeah, that photo I posted of the driver. That's also the other purchase. It's going to arrive soon. It's not here yet. No, it's not here yet. What drive was that? The tight, the tight, the, the, the burner, burner plus with the oh, old flex twist titanium oh, yeah. shaft. Yeah. <laughs> can't oh, well, wait. can't wait for uh, Matty Molica. Shout out to you. Uh, thank you for the, the, the Matty sticks that I've got over there. Uh, a bit of alignment sticks. One of your lockdown projects. Thank you. Uh, can't wait for the lock, uh, not the lockdown. I can't, can wait for, I can't wait for the lockdown to end. Can't wait for the lockdown to end for, so we can start planning another rollback event like you, Rocket. I have gone a bit nuts on the um, old golf clubs. The pings that you've seen me post, yeah, I've got a one, three, five, seven, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine pitch and sand. I'm missing a five iron out of this I2 ping I2 set, mint ping I2 set with all of those woods. Um, and then I've got the whole. What are you missing? A five iron. Yeah. It's got, it wasn't in, it wasn't part of the set. I've, I've got three drivers, a three wood, a five wood, a four wood, and a seven wood, uh, but no five iron. So I'm going to ask a half set. Uh, and, yeah, anyway, can't wait for that. Gents, great to catch up with you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for you listening and listening to us uh, ravel on after uh, we get the serious stuff out of the way. Another hour of five minutes of three guys just sitting here talking about golf. Holding to edition bag, closed sheath. <laughs> Listeners, help the rocket, help the brother out. It's like name your price. So if anyone's got one, it could be you know, it could be your time. It could be like... Uh, Time to capitalise on that bag. I still, yeah, anyway. Very good. Okay, guys. We'll see you next week.